Welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air, presented by the WellMed Charitable Foundation, a program providing help and information for our caregivers who are vital to the health and welfare of so many people in our community. You can hear Caregiver SOS on air Sundays at 6 p.m. on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. And now, here are your hosts, Ron Aaron and Carol Zernio. Well, thank you very much, and welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with Carol Zerniel, our co-host, right here on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. Carol is the Executive Director of the WellMed Charitable Foundation, Chair of the Board of the National Council on Aging, and we have a delightful time every week talking about issues involving caregiving and their families. And we've got a fascinating guest coming up in just a few minutes, Mama Peaches. Mama Peaches. I, I'm sorry that I have, did not get the opportunity to meet Mama Peaches, but it, it certainly is um, a, a delight to have um, Charles Cheney. Charles Cheney. Thank or Christopher you. Charles Cheney. Yes. Three on first the, on, names. On the air with us today. And we'll be talking with him in just a few minutes. But before we do that, in fact, one of the issues that I know he'll bring up when it comes to caregiving is the whole question of you never have enough time. You're always out of time. You're always a squirrel on a treadmill. So how do caregivers do a better job of time management? Well, this was an article I saw um, came from Adam Richardson, and he was a guest contributor at Caring.com. Uh, and so I thought some of these were pretty good. So, you know, we caregivers, the act of caregiving can leave you really drained mentally, physically, emotionally. Well, it's quicksand. Well, it is quicksand. And then here you are trying to, to lead a full life while squeezing all this extra stuff in, or maybe you're just doing caregiving and there's just not enough time in the day. So um, some tips that he was sharing was, you know, a lot of times we'll create a to-do list, but we create it and we don't really prioritize it. And so when we're thinking about, I mean, if you really do have a, a limited amount of time, you know, if we can create, he was suggesting three columns. So here's everything I absolutely have to do. I mean, you have to be brutally honest with yourself. This has to be done today, period. Your second column is you'd like to get it done today. And the third one is if I have time, this would be fine. Um, so that, you know, you start with the most difficult one first. While you're fresh, you've got the most energy, you want to tackle the biggest headache, that might be setting up a medical appointment, going to a medical appointment, or figuring out how to read that bill and calling somebody on the bill. So those things that are the hardest. Um, and then let those other things slide to your to-do list the next day. But those that are on your have-to-do-it-today, get those done. You're going to feel good about yourself, um, and you're going to have prioritized. So that was number one. Um, number two was, you know, in between all of your caregiving, if you can start decluttering. And that's one of those psychological boosts that you don't realize. Think about walking into someone else's room. I know my house is a mess because I'm still flooded from my hot water heater exploding. Um, and it's a mess. And you don't realize how stressful that is until you go into the one room that's the guest room that didn't get flooded and doesn't have clutter. And you walk in there and you can fix your going into maybe um, – a furniture store that's really organized or a library you know how that feels it's different serene. it is you you're breathing again you don't realize how all that stuff stacked up is weighing on you so dedicating 10 minutes a day to getting decluttered and then once you're decluttered spend 10 minutes a day putting stuff back we found a woman april smith is her name used to be a teacher at the kids early childhood program who's opened up a business doing decluttering and organizing she's a godsend we bring her in every few months 
and declutter the kids' playroom, get rid of toys they don't need anymore. She has no vested interest in any of them, so it's easy for her to throw out, and we donate them then. That's a great idea. We don't want to let go of yeah, them because they all have memories. I, yeah, you're, you're still attached to it. Yeah, I'm down to one last set of tiny pajamas for my son who turns <laughs> 20 next month, but don't tell him that I'm get that He's stuff turning somewhere. turning 20? Yeah, turning 20. I remember when he was just learning how to swim, and that wasn't that many years ago. I know. He was small, and then wow. he got big. Yeah, so, so yes, I know how difficult it is. I'm not going to talk about that whole cluttery mess <laughs> yeah. in my house. Let's talk about the old toys. Um, but it's not just decluttering your space. It's also decluttering your mind. And so at the end of the day, taking a few minutes, letting stuff go, listen to music, taking just a walk around the block or a walk around the backyard if you can't really get out of and away from your house. But doing something that lets your mind relax is really important. Um, number three is make sure that you, when you're putting together your schedule for the day, you have some breaks built in and you honor those breaks. Even if it's, I'm going to spend five minutes in the bathroom where nobody can get to me and the door is locked. Um, if you come upon the, when you're supposed to have a break and you can't take it, set your watch for, or your, whatever it is that keeps time for you for 30 minutes and see if you can take it again. But just again, those breaks, clearing that space for you to breathe, think and do Make a phone call, set up an appointment. Something for you, not for the person that you're caring from, can really help. It help. Um, you know, talk, it talks about obviously doing one thing for yourself uh, physically. That might be making your dental appointment. That might be your your um, doctor's appointment. But it also might be just taking, doing five sit-ups or, you know, um, the walk around the house. Something physical activity. Uh, that gets your heart going, that's good for you. I like to, and I know this is probably a little weird, uh, you know, a plank where you get down and you make a plank and you, you pick up a yoga book or a Pilates book, and you, if you know what a plank is. Um, but it's good for your abdominals, but it, it your whole body gets engaged because you're resting your weight on your arms and your feet and your body is a plank, right? Engages all those muscles at once. And the recommendation is you do that three times a day. And you only do it for a minute. So you're spending three minutes a day. You're going to firm up your arms, your core, and you're going to actually have some circulation going because you've done something. So I recommend that. I like that. that. If you've just joined us, by the way, we're not planking here. We're talking about ways in which you can get a handle on time as a caregiver or anybody else. You're listening to Caregiver SOS on air on 930 AM, The Answer. She's Carol Zerniel, and I'm Ron Aaron. Well, And then the last one is know your limitations, which means saying no. Uh, when you need to. Well, that's a tough one for some people. That is a real tough one. And that might involve, just like your declutter specialist, that might involve getting somebody else, a friend, a geriatric care manager, somebody else involved in your life to help you learn to say no. Uh, because you can't do it all. You just can't. And, and saying no in the beginning solves the problem of having to say no later after you said yes. I know. See, you know, and you were talking about difference with children. You know, we, you're not really supposed to say no, 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 no to your children. Instead, you have to find ways to reframe it and be positive. But in the caregiving world, you got to learn to say no. I like that. Up next, as we talk about things that may help your life, and this may be one that will scare the bejeebers out of you, three surprising things that increase risk of dementia. Yes, I saw this in nextavenue.org, um, and it was things that uh, there's some research that shows they may, may contribute to Alzheimer's disease. This is from the National Institute of Neurologic Disorders and Stroke. 
So, you know, not everything is Alzheimer's, but uh, there's other things that can affect your cognitive functioning. And so risk factor number one was, I'm not even going to say this right, anticholinergic, I had it once, anticholinergic drugs. So um, these are drugs that, like Benadryl, that have a, a sedating effect on you. So you take Benadryl for allergies, but it also makes you kind of sedated. Tylenol PM, the PM part of the Tylenol that helps you Benadryl. sleep. Benadryl. Yeah. So those things that trigger sleepiness um, actually can mimic dementia and maybe a risk factor for dementia. So it's some antidepressant, antidepressants, it's some incontinary, uh, oh. urinary incontinence treatments, and then it's some of, some of the sleep aids and allergy aids. So, you know, knowing your medications and what kind they are uh, can be a risk factor. Here's the one that scared me, lack of vitamin D. So you're have to, supposed to have a score of 20 for your vitamin D. Um, and if you don't, it can have, it can be a risk factor for cognitive decline for both your executive function, which is your ability to make decisions, your visuospatial ability, that's me, I'm always getting lost. You know, it, my whole life I, I'm wondering, okay, so I must have had low vitamin D my whole life. Um, and then some of your other memory. So low vitamin D, go out there, get some sunshine, eat some yogurt or drink some milk. Um, you could have beef liver or cod liver oil, yum. Uh, Swiss cheese or egg yolks. There you go. Those are some non-vitamin ways to get your vitamin D. Every WellMed PCP will tell you that all their seniors are low on vitamin D. I know, and it's really common. And I didn't mention that one of the best sources is fatty fish. So that's your salmon, salmon. your tuna, and your mackerel. But if you have gout, don't do those because those are exactly what you don't want to eat if you have gout. See, it's a good news, bad news story with the sun. Sun gives you vitamin D. Right. But we slather ourselves with sunblock. And then you don't get any. Exactly. Right. There was a story about a person that um, ended up in very poor health because of overuse of sunscreens. You know, the sun is our friend. It's up there for a reason, or we're down here for a reason, one of the two. Um, and so you do need to get some sunshine. Uh, the risk factor number three is heartburn medications. So those wonderful things that are advertised every night, um, like the Prilosex and the Prevacid. Uh, those, yeah, Those kinds of drugs um, actually... Uh, may prevent the development of dementia. There's some studies in the UK and at the University of Pittsburgh. Uh, and they're not sure cause and effect, but those are just three things that may increase your huh. risk factor. Wow. Interesting. So go out there. The, but you, if you're going to pick one, so it's the heartburn medications, it's the sleep aids, um, and the vitamin D. Well, in fact, in, in medications that are uh, suggested not to give to seniors now, uh, Benadryl's at the top of that list. Well, it is on that list. Um, and what I'll do is next week, I'll bring some information on medications to avoid just as a follow-up sure. to that. That'll be good. Um, because I did see one recently. I like that. And then simple solutions to prevent hospital infections. So what do you, I, I, the answer is easy. Don't go to the hospital. Don't go to the hospital is the best way to, uh, to avoid hospital infections. Wash, wash, wash. So which, who's doing the washing in your version? In my version, it ought to be the visitors, it ought to be the doctors, it ought to be the nurses, and it ought to be the patient. Well, there you go. So this particular article um, that came out of Kaiser Health News is talking about we have a lot of emphasis on doctors and nurses and not enough on the patients. Right. So where do the doctors and the nurses get that infection? From Shaking the, hands from with the, the patients. Pa from the patients, touching the patients. Yeah. So 
Patients have a lot to do with spreading germs and especially post-acutes when they get out of the hospital. So, you know, hand washing is just one of those things that just keep doing it. It's good for your doctors, your nurses, and you and the patient to make sure you wash your hands. Best way to prevent hospital infections. Christopher Charles Cheney up next, Mama Peaches and Me, his uh, series of books on caregiving. We talk with him from uh, his home in Chattanooga, Tennessee. I'm Ron Aaron, along with Carol Zerniel. You hear us on 9.30 a.m., The Answer Caregiver, SOS On Air. It's hard to believe, but this all began in the year 2010. Has it really been that long that we've Dr. been together? Dr. Robin Eikhoff, Ron Aaron, WellMed Radio. What a terrific ride it's been. And since then, and continuing, we have talked about everything. We've talked about medical issues, we've talked about legal issues, end-of-life issues, and the list goes on. You name a disease, and we've covered it, but with answers for people who have it, aimed primarily at seniors and their loved ones. Seniors and caregivers and grandchildren and on and on. So why do you like doing radio? Well, I love spending time with you, Ron. Oh, thank you. That's one of my favorite parts. Well, I appreciate it. But that. I like educating, and I like educating patients and family members. There's so many things that we can do with this outreach. So listen to WellMed Radio. And get healthy. Ron Aaron, Dr. Robin Eikhoff, we come to you Sunday afternoons at 5 p.m. on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. This is Sam Donaldson. 50 years in the news business taught me that each day brings a new story. Retirement is just the beginning of a lifelong adventure if we keep learning, stay active, and give back. All secrets to healthy aging. That's what Oasis is about. Explore our history. Take a fitness class. Tutor a child. It's your time to try something new at Oasis. Call 210-236-5954 or oasisnet.org forward slash San Antonio. Well, we thank you so much for sticking with us. And as we promised, we're delighted to welcome Christopher Charles Haney to our Caregiver On Air SOS Hotline. And we are delighted to have a chance to talk with someone who knows a whole lot about the challenges of caregiving. I'm Ron Aaron, along with Carol Zerniel. And Chris, thanks for joining us. Thank you. It's my pleasure to be here. I was telling you off the air that uh, a part of the bio that uh, we picked up on you really piqued our curiosity. It says, after 20 years of executive management and one brutal downsizing with my federal employer, (laughs) I decided to retire early. Who are you working for, Christopher? Um, I was working for a utility agency, and I was working as a senior program manager for an acquisition purchasing program. Which means you were busy buying stuff? Busy uh, coaching other individuals in terms of buying things that were environmentally green uh-huh. and friendly. Okay. That sounds like so a, worthy, meant, that's a worthy cause. It, it was. It was indeed. Uh, and then, uh, like some folks myself included, who spent a lot of years in uh, federal service. You decided it was time to do something else. And in your case, uh, you became a caregiver for your mother. That is absolutely correct. Um, I became an accidental caregiver literally overnight. She had one diagnosis, and it changed literally the course of the rest of my life. Tell us what Uh, happened. My mom, I got a phone call months prior to my retiring, uh, from a, one of my brothers, and he said, you know, Mom doesn't sound right over the phone. And they lived in Ohio. I live in Tennessee about, at the time, 
two and a half hours away from my mom. I lived in uh, Chattanooga, and she was in Knoxville. And so I gave her a call, and just didn't seem right. And I went up that next day to spend some time with her. Uh, we eventually took her to the hospital, and she was diagnosed with dementia. The doctor said that she could no longer live by herself, and she required 24-7 care. And at that moment, uh, again, it was a no-brainer. I moved mom in with me, and that was probably the difficult, most difficult decision I've ever made, and that was telling my mom she could not go back to her home and live the life that she had always known. Well, very often, uh, uh, doing the right thing is the toughest thing we all do. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So how difficult was this transition? Your mother's been living at home, and you bring her home with you. Oh, my God. It was <laughs> it was a nightmare for the both of us. Mom, she has always been, um, she had always been a very independent and feisty lady. Um, and, of course, I'm independent as well. So the first two weeks or so, we just really clashed. We didn't think we were going to make it. Uh, and I was busy doing, uh, trying to be a caregiver, if you will, uh, making sure that everything was right and trying to understand and making all the questions and making accommodations for mom. And mom wasn't happy. And it was just a whirlwind of emotions and confusion. Uh, but eventually we got things uh, straightened out. And in your own case, what year are we talking about when you began that journey? Uh, 2015. And so you really turned your life upside down, inside out, and backwards. Did you know anything about being a caregiver? I, You know, that's a really good question because um, I didn't really get introduced to the term caregiver, family caregiver until um, – midway into the process. And what's really interesting, when I look back, I'm actually a third generation of, I'm actually provided caregiving for my great-grandmother. When I was a little kid, I would take her food and run errands for her. Um, and then I ended up providing caregiving services to my grandmother. And then I ended up giving caregiving to my wow. mom as well. Um, but I never saw myself as a caregiver. And most people don't see themselves as caregivers. They see themselves as the role. I was a, I was a son. I was a grandson. I was a great-grandson taking care of a loved one. Now, did, did you, any of your other relatives have dementia, your grandmother or great-grandmother? Uh, my great-grandmother had it slightly, and at the time I didn't know very much about it, and I don't think my family members knew anything about it as well. Um, but when my grandma was alive, our family was very close. We all kind of lived in the same city. And so we were all a part of her care plan, if you will. And as our family grew and evolved, we all kind of spread out. So by the time I took care of my mom, it was just me and my mom in a city where we had no family. Well, and that's really tough. And I, I was asking the question because I was wondering if you'd had experience with dementia because being an Alzheimer's caregiver is different than taking care of someone who's gotten older and frail and can't see very well, needs some help with driving. I mean, that really is a 24-7 calling. Yes, yes. Um, and I had no prior experience with um, working with someone with dementia. Well, what did you find initially to be the biggest challenges you faced? Uh, one of the biggest challenges was just my mom uh, wasn't coherent. She would... Um, say things that just wasn't right. And so we would spend hours arguing. I'm trying to convince her that she's wrong, and she's trying to convince me that she's right. And I never forget, uh, 
she would sometimes call 911 uh, without me knowing it, and the police would show up. And one officer said, you know, when you're dealing with uh, a patient with this type of challenge, if that patient tells you that the sky is orange, quickly agree with them so you can move on. And that was perhaps the best advice that I got. <laughs> and that's a, that's a tough one. But, it, but all you... day arguing with my mom, I just agree. Amazing. You know, yeah. I could make some other comments about husbands or other people. Just agree. But my husband's already figured that out. And, and, and when it's not really true, then you, you're like, why did you agree with me if you didn't mean it? But in, <laughs> in Alzheimer's, absolutely works like a charm. And, and actually, in any situation where somebody has gone ballistic and angry, just agreeing with them is a great way to diffuse the situation. Oh, yeah. But you had oh, to learn yeah. that the hard way. Yes, yes. Yeah, when mom is happy, everybody's happy. Exactly. So as you begin this journey, uh, having had some experience as a, as a youngster, and, and today many, many youngsters are actually uh, caregivers, uh, you're an adult now, your mom comes to live with you, uh, your life turns upside down. Uh, did, did you reach out for help in the community at all? Was there any support you could find either uh, uh, from a local uh, religious organization, social service agency, or were you flying solo? Initially, I was flying solo, and I think because I didn't realize I was a quote-unquote family caregiver, I didn't know to seek family caregiving resources and support. One of the things that I did to alleviate some of the stress is I would write these. Mom would do funny things. She would say funny things, do funny things. I started writing them down. I thought I would share them on Facebook. And the more I share them on Facebook, the more... um, I would get a response from folks. Hey, your mom is real funny. I like these stories. And if I didn't post anything, I would get messages such as, hey, I just came by your site. I was looking for the Mama Pizza story. That's all I wanted. <laughs> and mom, she was she had a, a fan club, if you will. And everybody just loved these stories. And along the way, although I didn't tell people what was happening behind the doors, there were people that were very familiar with Uh, what mom was going through, and they would inbox me information. I remember someone inboxed me information about an organization called the National Family Caregiver Support Group. They said, go there and you can find support. That was one of the most valuable pieces of information I got, and I did that. And when I arrived, I was there with fellow caregivers who were taking care of loved ones, as I was, and um, they all took a few minutes to tell their story, and I took some time to tell my story, and I just started weeping. And I felt as though I was in a group of people, I was with a group of people that got it. They know my pain. It's kind of interesting, even today, I I continue to go, and when we have new people that come and want to get involved, we allow them to tell your stories, and it never fails, the tissues come out. Stay, stay with me. Stay with me just a minute. For those who are just joining us, you're listening to Caregiver SOS on air on 9:30 a.m. The answer. I'm Ron Aaron, along with I'm trying to read something at the same time and trying to talk. And uh, I'm like former President Gerald R. Ford, Ford <laughs> chewing gum and can't walk. Uh, we want to welcome, as we're doing, uh, Christopher Charles Haney with us. We have you down as Haney. Is it Cheney? Cheney. That's yeah, absolutely Cheney. Okay. Cheney. Yeah, we looked you up on the Internet, so I'm sorry. I, I called you Haney, and it's Cheney. We, we dropped the C. 
Well, you're just going to have to change your name from now on. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so for those who just joined us, we're talking about his experience uh, in caregiving and uh, ultimately led to uh, public speaking, uh, led to a, a book and a series of books that grew out of your Facebook posts, right? Mama Peaches. Yeah. That's correct. And so you called her, was her nickname Peaches? Her nickname was Peaches. Odessa Peaches Cheney was her full name. Cool. So well, you, and, and I should mention that the book is Breaking the Healing Code. Right. So you've been very, I, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking. Oh, let let, let me ahead. clarify. There, okay. I actually have two books. One is called Breaking the Healing Code, and the caregiving book, which is a part of my caregiving book reading series, is the first one is called Mama Peaches and Me, Wit and Wisdom for Worn Out Caregivers. I, I'm just trying to figure out where in the world you found time to do all this while caring for your mom. So we normally say caregivers are not super people, but maybe you are. <laughs> I think it's very important that um, there's a part of caregiving where you 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 are accustomed to and you have to kind of let go of things. Some of the rituals, the family gatherings, the things that you are always accustomed to, you just have to let go. Um, but at the same time, you don't let go of everything. You find some time to reconnect with yourself. And for me, writing was that opportunity to reconnect with myself. Had you been a writer before you started this journey? Uh, yes. My first book, Breaking the Healing Code, we, uh, I published that before my mom got as ill as she, she got before moving in with me. Huh. Interesting. Now, I want you to share with us in just a minute uh, some of the uh, Mama Peaches stories that stand out uh, and some of the ones that you first put on Facebook that people responded to. What a neat way to begin a book. Put it on Facebook and suddenly oh, yeah. you yeah. end up with a book. I'm Ron Aaron along with Carol Zerniel. Uh, you're listening to us on 930 AM, The Answer, Caregiver, SOS on Air. We're talking with Christopher, Christopher Charles Cheney, and we're delighted to have him with us as we uh, spin the stories of his journey in caregiving. Well, thank you so much for being with us here on Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron and we got eight producers in the studio with us today. That's always a good thing. Here with uh, Carol Zerniel, our co-host on Caregiver SOS On Air. We're talking with Christopher Charles Cheney about his, uh, his life as a caregiver, uh, moving his mom in with him in uh, Tennessee. She was in Knoxville. He was in, I, I gather, Nashville. Is that right? Uh, Chattanooga. Chattanooga. And you bring her in under your roof and you start this journey of caregiving, which uh, you discovered turns out to be pretty difficult and challenging. Share with us some of the Mama Peaches stories that people connected with. Oh, there were so many. Um, there's one, and it's quite interesting when I run into people, everybody has their favorite Mama Peaches stories that they want, they want to tell me about it, though I didn't write the book, but just. <laughs> I just started laughing, but there the book has nine, uh, nineteen stories, and there are actually more, and I'll include the more the others in future books. Um, without giving it, giving too much away, there's a, a popular one with lights called "Lights On." Uh, there are a couple stories about mom was an avid cigarette smoker, um, and so you'll read stories about me chasing my mom around the house trying to get her to stop smoking or her sneaking to purchase a pack of cigarettes at the store and i didn't know anything about it so they're very very funny stories and caregivers particularly love the stories because they're able to laugh and recognition 
mom's just a you know a lovable woman that everybody can relate to. Um, in addition to all the funny stories, it's it, the book also contains caregiving tips, things that I've learned along the way that I'm sharing with other people, as well as caregiving resources, things that I didn't know that could have made a difference, as well as a section of prayer. So it's a, it's funny, it's entertaining, but it's also informative. What were some of the tips that you wish you had known when you began the caregiving journey? Oh, oh, there's one. Uh, I told you one earlier, agree. <laughs> yeah, agree. Agree. Yes, you're right. Yeah, I love that color of orange in the sky. <laughs> And, and the other, I know, right? And one of the other things I learned was <clears throat> when dealing with a patient that has, that's going through dementia, you often have to make sure that you don't overwhelm them with choices. I remember one morning I was, uh, we finally got a doctor's appointment. Mom, mom had taken a shower. She went into the bedroom, <clears throat> and I was waiting for her to get dressed. And it was taking a long time. I kept knocking on the door, Mama, you ready? ready? I'm getting dressed. I'm getting dressed. And so after a while, I knocked, um, and I slowly opened the door, and she was just sitting there looking at the closet. Um, I didn't understand it at the time, but oftentimes when you're dealing with, again, people with dementia, they can get overwhelmed by choices. And so what I learned, rather than telling my mom, hey, go get dressed, and there's a closet full of clothes, and she's looking at all these clothes, she's got all these options, she can't process it. If I had pulled out three outfits, it would have helped her make that decision. So that was a lesson I learned. And that's, an, and that's really valuable from two perspectives. One is limiting the choices, but two is actually still giving choices. So a choice of two or three things for something with dementia helps give them that feeling like their decision-making, It's you're, you're yeah. helping them feel good about themselves, but you've limited it to something that's manageable. Very good point. Very good point. It's interesting. We do that. We have a little five-year-old girl. We do that with Reagan. You want to wear the blue shirt or the yellow shirt? <laughs> and does, does that work? Or she no, wants the purple shirt. She wants the purple shirt. I thought you got so. it. Yeah, exactly. What else did you uh, uh, pick up tips that you pass along? And the more you give us, the more people are going to want to buy your book. So don't be afraid to give some of these away. Oh, believe me, I'm, I'm willing to give them all away because, again, I don't want anyone to go through what I went through. If you're going through it without any experience blindsided, um, you will run into a lot of difficult situations. Uh, one of the things I like to caution people to uh, to be mindful of is be prepared for strained relationships. I have three siblings that live in another state, but somehow in my mind I thought that they would be involved in the process. Uh, it sounds I, like that was in your mind. It was in my mind. That's what I expected them to do. I expected them to call and maybe come down for a weekend or two. Or just, I just expected them not necessarily to be there every day, but to give me at least the illusion that they were concerned and involved. Um, by my definition, I say by my definition, I didn't think that they were involved enough. Uh, but one of the things that I've learned through the process is that people will deal with it differently. Um, and so you you have to recognize that. You have to give people kind of the space to adjust. If I could go back, I think that I would articulate more of what I actually needed. Uh, one of the things about caregivers are we're so used to doing it ourselves that when someone comes along and asks, hey, what can I do? We're like a deer. <laughs> 
Just staring at, at him uh, going, uh, like, oh, my God, I can't process that. <laughs> so being prepared and asking for help, I think, is a really big tip for, or two, two things here. Uh, be prepared for strained relationships. Um, you may not get the support from friends and families that you thought you may get. And also be prepared or, or manage to have the strength to ask, to ask. So did your family members um, step up? Uh, were you ever able to articulate it, and did you get any kind of a response? I did get one brother to come down uh, to spend a weekend with my mom uh, and myself, and he didn't do a whole lot, but just his presence there really helped. Well, now, is your mother still alive? Uh, she did pass away, unfortunately, and unexpectedly. So I had a tough time making that adjustment as well because um, after we buried her and I came back, we buried her in Ohio and I came back, um, I woke up and I was just walking around the house in the days because I was always so used to making sure she had a meal, making sure she had medicines. My life was about mom and she was no longer there and I felt useless. I felt like there was nothing I could do. Uh, in fact, I got so depressed, I wanted to give up. And I think that former caregivers often go through that process where, especially if you're not surrounded by loved ones, you just, because you lost everything that meant anything to you. In my case, it's my mom. Um, but I couldn't give up, and that was because I didn't know how to give up. I had a mom who didn't teach me to give up, and I believe that God created me as a vessel not to give up, and he wouldn't allow me to give up until I actually accomplish the goal that he has for me. Well, I think that's, you know, that's, you've made a really good point that caregiving, even, you know, especially when it ends abruptly uh, and unexpectedly, that there are, you know, there is that feeling of, you know, I, I my whole life was involved in caregiving. Now what do I do? And so, you know, I think that's good advice for a lot of, of programs that are out there in the country that work with caregivers is to have something for caregivers post-caregiving, as we say, uh, that can help make that transition back to what other people call normal life. Yes, 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 yes. Now I have the yes. uh, Mama Peaches books and your public speaking filled that void? It, it certainly has. I'm also a certified caregiving consultant, so I help family caregivers uh, develop simple solutions to help them manage their caregiving lives. And I also provide advocate services services for organizations that care. So I'll go out and I'll do educational training programs for churches and communities and organizations. I also use my published books, um, artwork that I create, and plays for also creating the message, promoting the dialogue all around caregiving. So you've written plays? I'm working on a Mama Peaches play. Oh, that sounds great. That's yes, cool. Yes. I Just for the title, I'd go see it just because it's called Mama Peaches. <laughs> who, who do you envision playing Mama Peaches? You know, we have a story. Uh, there's one of the funny stories my mom and I are talking about. It. I, I tell her the story that uh, I'm writing a book, and she uses some choice words and says she can write her own book about her own life. And so we're going back and forth <laughs> about who's going to play Mama Peaches and and I said, well, who's going to play me? And she has her thoughts, and I, I'm throwing out some names, and it's, it's kind of interesting conversation. So I'm not sure as of yet. All right, so if you could pick anyone, because you do get 
the residuals based on who ends up playing in, in your mother in the movie version and yourself. So anybody on the top of your list? Uh, Angela Bassett, maybe. Oh, I good can, choice. I can think of someone. Yeah, Angela um, Bassett, good choice. Yeah. Okay. And, and for you? Oh, that's a tough one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Well, we'll let, we'll let you. We'll let, yeah, we'll let you think about that one. There's some. I worked it out. I know. There's some. There's some good choices out there. So, um, so since you, you're, you're, you know, I'm sorry for the loss of your mom, but, um, and and since she has passed and and you've moved on, have you? Are you still in the learning mode? Do you still talking to other caregivers and working with churches? Do you still feel like, wow, you know, I didn't. That's that's something else. You know, I, I'm I'm learning about caregiving. Oh, absolutely. There's not a day that goes by that I'm not learning something. Um, and I think that's the beauty of being in the caregiving arena now as a professional caregiving consultant. Uh, I do want to say sometimes, especially when caregivers lose an individual like I did, I was struggling. I didn't know if I wanted to go back to corporate America. I didn't feel led to go that way. Um, and then I met someone, I went to an organization, uh, actual conference, and I was talking with former caregivers, and many of them said, hey, we couldn't go back. We're an entirely new person now. The caregiving experience has shaped us into a new person, and our passion is now helping other caregivers, and that's where I am now. Where I can't go back, I'm a whole new person, and I've committed my life to the passion of helping caregivers. Now, for folks who want to get involved and perhaps uh, touch base with you, do you have a website that they can go to? I do, and it's very simple. It's um, www.authorauthorchristopher.com. Authorchristopher.com. Arthur or author? Author, as in book Arthur. Okay. And what will we find on that website? You'll find uh, definitely my books. You'll find a... A uh, page on my caregiving services, the consultant services for individuals. I just launched a program called Project What's Your Story? Often in the caregiving community, when I go to conferences, everybody wants to know what each other's story is as it relates to caregiving. And since I've produced several books now, um, I've decided to create this, I guess, outlet for people to tell their stories in a book format. So if you're a caregiver and you're interested in telling your story in a book form, I will coach you through that series, whether you want it published or whether you just want to preserve the legacy of your loved one to share with families and friends. I have a system, and I'll walk you through that process. Well, one last question. So if Mama Peaches, if your mother were alive today and able to articulate um, the journey that she went on with you, what do you think that she would tell caregivers, and what do you think she'd tell you? I think um, my mom would be extremely proud, extremely proud. Um, I think that she would definitely speak of the importance of caregivers and what they contribute to one's lives. Um, Oh, gosh. She would definitely be proud. She'd definitely be proud. And it was my vision to actually take my mom on my book tours with me because so many people wanted to meet her. Um, well, she is with you in, in, in words and spirit. 
Yes, 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 yes. We've got to stop you right here. We are flat out of time. You're a delight to talk to. Christopher Charles Cheney, Mama Peaches and Me, his book's available. Go to his website, authorchristopher.com, and you can read all about it and uh, get a chance to follow what he's up to. And, and give your dogs a, a little pat on the head for us, <laughs> Judah and uh, Sugar Boo. Yes, I will. I will. You take care. Thanks for talking with us. Bye-bye. It's been my pleasure. Thank you so much. Okay. Bye-bye. Christopher Charles Cheney. Interesting guy. Yes, absolutely. That was cool. Up next, Take 10. With our little buddy, Dr. Jamie Heisman, he'll join us as we talk about a hot issue in the news. It's hard to believe, but this all began in the year 2010. Has it really been that long that we've Dr. been together? Dr. Robin Eikhoff, Ron Aaron, WellMed Radio. What a terrific ride it's been. And since then, and continuing, we have talked about everything. We've talked about medical issues, we've talked about legal issues, end-of-life issues, and the list goes on. You name a disease, and we've covered it, uh, with answers for people who have it, aimed primarily at seniors and their loved ones. Seniors and caregivers and grandchildren and on and on. So why do you like doing radio? Well, I love spending time with you, Ron. Oh, thank you. That's one of my favorite parts. Well, I appreciate it. But that. I like educating, and I like educating patients and family members. There's so many things that we can do with this outreach. So listen to WellMed Radio. And get healthy. Ron Aaron, Dr. Robin Eikoff. We come to you Sunday afternoons at 5 p.m. on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. Well, as we conclude each of our Caregiver SOS On Air programs with Take 10, we're delighted to welcome on board with me and Carol Zerniel, Dr. Jamie Heisman, a nationally known psychotherapist and expert in not only addictions, but in caregiving as well. And we're delighted as uh, Carol tossed out a topic off the air uh, to share it with you now. Uh, Dr. Jamie often talks about the three-legged stool balancing the elements involved in caregiving. And, and Carol, that's a pretty good topic. Well, you know, I think about it a lot um, because Jamie talks to us about feeling out of balance. We know as caregivers, we do feel out of balance. Um, and why, you know, just why does that happen? So, so Jamie, tell us, what is that three-legged stool that you talk about? Well, it's all about balance. It's exactly that word, because that's how stools and chairs stand up and support our weight. And the three legs are your mind, your body, and your spirit. Now, the spirit can also be your the social side, but no matter what, it's three legs and it holds up a stool. And if we're not paying attention to all three, we all know that chairs can't stand on two legs. And so caregivers can't either. Well, so when we're thinking about a well-rounded, um, you know, the physical aspects of caregiving and, and this month is Occupational Therapy Month. We were talking to some occupational therapists earlier um, and they, we were talking about the physical aspects of caring and caregiving and, and how difficult that is when you talk about helping somebody transfer, helping somebody, you know, in and out of the car, in and out of the bathroom, in and out of the shower. There's a lot of physicality to caregiving many times. It's huge, uh, Carol. And what we don't talk about is while they're taking care of somebody else's health and wellness, um, they're at risk, at uh, higher risk for for their own health and wellness. In fact, you know they have an increased alcohol use um, uh, tendency. 
Um, you can get diabetes. Your diabetes can get worse. You can have heart disease. I mean, as a caregiver, we also are at risk entirely if we're not taking care of ourselves while we're taking care of somebody else. And you're right, too, that we just jump into it head first without knowing exactly what to do and how to do it, lifting and pushing and calling and at the same time trying to keep our own lives balanced. On the, the physical aspects that you're talking about, um, you know, it can be very difficult taking care of our physical health. We don't, we just don't think about it because we're so busy on these, all of these other tasks. But what you were talking about is if we put two groups together, caregivers and non-caregivers, and they're the same age, or they're exactly alike, the caregivers are going to have more diabetes, they're going to have more heart disease, they're going to have more stroke, they're going to have more alcoholism, um, and that relates back to their physical health. They're just not taking care of it. And stress. And stress, and and the impact of stress on your immune system, which can lead to different illness and being more susceptible to different diseases. Well, knowing this going in, Dr. Jamie, what then uh, can a caregiver do to don the armor to uh, protect their well-being? Well, let's take the health side first, Ron. I mean, no matter whether you're a caregiver or not, eating a balanced diet and uh, eating right nutritionally may be the the number one thing. I, I know for a fact that when I start getting sick or isolating or we're not doing things for myself. That's the first thing that seems to suffer is is a balanced diet. So that's the first thing I would say is we deal with our health and wellness. The second thing is to get plenty of rest. You know, what a caregiver does not do is, is often sleep, you know, uninterrupted for eight hours because they have what you just said, stress and anxiety, and, or they're taking care of somebody else who's waking up in the middle of the night, you know, getting their needs met or needing to get their needs met. Also, finally, you know, exercise. I mean, exercise is something we should all be mindful of and, and do things around. Um, but caregivers are really, you know, loath to find time, if you will, to, to do that exercise. And yet it improves their mood and allows them to, to, to balance their lives in a way that, that other things don't. Well, you, you said the word mood. So let's move on and talk a little bit about um, your emotional health because that one really... You know, it's it's kind of like it's invisible, but it really gets beat up throughout on this caregiving journey. I think it's huge. In fact, you know, if you had to pick one or the other, obviously it'd be very difficult to say which is more important. I know your health and wellness is critical, and um, but your psychological health and wellness, and what Ron mentioned before, this 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 four letter word called stress. I know it's five, but it's always going to be four in my world. Um, stress and anxiety and how it plays on our existing issues as, as a human being. Uh, we tend to, to shift from a human being, go to the human doing, and, and, and not at all look at our own, our own psychology and what it's doing to us and, and the issues of grief and potential loss. So the first thing I would say, Carol, that you have to do for the second leg is get yourself extraordinarily good support, whether that comes in the form of a therapist, a coach, a geriatric care manager. Make sure you don't do this alone. Now, if you've just joined us, you're listening to Take 10. Uh, we conclude each of our Caregiver SOS on-air programs with Dr. Jamie Heisman, Carol Zernil, and me, Ron Aaron, talking about a topic of interest to caregivers and families. And the one we are taking up right now is balance in caregiving, the three-legged stool. And you mentioned, Carol, uh, the emotional side. And there is a tremendous emotional stress using the word stress again, put on caregivers. Well, there is, and, and 
um, as Jamie has mentioned, you're also bringing along the, the baggage of all of those familial relationships that you've had over the years. So if you never got along with your mother and suddenly you're taking care of your mother, you're not all of a sudden going to be best friends, right, Jamie? No, absolutely not. In fact, the triggers and cues will start coming fast and furiously for that family of origin issues, we call the childhood issues that were never resolved. So now not only are you taking on helping somebody who you may or may, you know, you may have mixed feelings about, um, but you're doing it full time and it's going to trigger clinical issues that are desperately going to need attention. So you start running the same verbal scripts you had as a kid with your mother. You do. What we'd say is you tend to recreate your dramas and traumas until you intervene on them, which is basically a, a, a clinical way of saying, go get some help, because you're probably going to create a pattern that happened in childhood when you become a caregiver if you don't. Well, and you also talk a lot about guilt, um, and that can creep up on us. We're not doing enough. We're doing too much. We resent it. Um, you know, what's, what's the role of guilt in caregiving? Well, guilt is a diagnostic indicator. I think when guilt is high, um, you're, it's saying to ourselves, we're not doing enough for ourselves, meaning that there's a correlation in psychology between guilt and self-esteem. So the higher your guilt, usually the lower your self-esteem, and the higher your self-esteem, usually the lower your guilt. So it's, it's a real barometer or, or a way to actually see or experience, if you will, how well am I actually taking care of myself in this caregiving experience? Guilt is one of those words, we know it when we see it, but what is it? What, what's happening? What causes guilt? Well, obviously guilt is, uh, it could be cultural, Ron. It could be religious guilt. Uh, it's obviously things that we don't think that we do right. In fact, there's shame and guilt seems to be often connected. Uh, we're not doing enough. You know, maybe we could actually help this person that we love so much in terms of their disease, but really we can't. And so by not being able to let go and not being able to, to turn this over and not being able to take care of ourselves in the process, we tend to get this magical thinking that we are our deities or our gods and can actually do something about it, and we get lost in our thoughts. And so guilt is really about that, not, you know, thinking we're not enough. Well, in this last uh, minute and a half that we have left, talk a little bit about the social or spiritual side of caregiving, and what is that? You know, what does that look like? Well, since spiritual so has so many connotations to it, you know, I'm going to start with the social first, and we can work our way there because social is about connecting, and I think it's the biggest issue uh, for elders, seniors, caregivers today. Uh, that when we isolate, we actually are, 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 are doing more harm to ourselves, our mind, body, and spirit um, than, than we think. And we have to be connected. And the beauty of getting connected and the beauty of, of being in a social setting is to pick up a phone and, and call and look for a support group. I think caregivers vitally need, you know, the first order of concern, a group of people that truly understand them and knows, know what they're going through. Now, speaking of that, you have a new support group starting up with the teleconnection program. We do. We have a free telephone support group. Uh, we're looking for members right now. So if there's any caregiver that's listening that would like to have an easy way to connect with other caregivers on the telephone, um, go ahead and, and check out our website at caregiversos.org. And you can get signed up. And it's free. And it's free. Dr. Jamie, thank you. Fascinating. The three-legged stool. What do you think of a support group on the phone? I think it's fascinating. That's fascinating you know, in and of itself. I think, frankly, the beauty of, of 
of always being on. I, I prefer people to be face to face, as Carol does as well. There's nothing like that. Nothing substitutes for that. But if you can't get there, get the lily pad, which is actually on the phone. You can stay anonymous. Okay. You can actually be honest with your emotions. It's a perfect thing. Congratulations, Carol. Bingo. Stop you right there. You're listening to Caregiver SOS on air. Ron Aaron with Carol Zerniel and Dr. Jamie Heisman. We're on 930 AM, The Answer. You've been listening to Caregiver SOS on air. Presented by the WellMed Charitable Foundation. Email suggestions and comments on this radio program to radio at wellmed.net. And join your hosts, Ron Aaron and Carol Zerniel, for another edition of Caregiver SOS On Air on 930 AM, The Answer.